Hi there, I'm your host Kate. I grew up in Seattle, Washington around friends that were entrepreneurs or had parents that were. Throughout my different ventures, I came to a realization that I enjoy talking to people about their careers and listening to their inspiring stories. One day, I thought to myself, why not record these conversations and make it into a podcast? So here we are, and now these stories are available to you with the hope that you'll also find them inspiring. Hondo wanted a job where he could help people. He became a motivational speaker and shares practical strategies and advice from real-world experiences to support, motivate, and inspire people to help them reach their full potential. Juan has been featured on Good Morning America, Yahoo Finance, and Lay's Chips Bags nationwide as a part of their Smile with Lay's campaign benefiting Operation Smile. In addition to competing on NBC's hit show, American Ninja Warrior, he has also been recognized by the Seattle Magazine as the top 25 most influential people in Seattle. Join us on this episode as Juan shares strategies on how you can overcome fear and self-doubt to achieve success. I just share the example as, you know, as people kind of pursue and kind of figure out what they want to do in life, I think it's like figure out your style of clothing. Right, you go to the mall, try on a shirt, doesn't fit well, you put it back on the rack. You have a different shirt, fits well, but it's not cute, you put it back on the rack. Then you keep trying on outfits until you find that right fit. And I think it's the same thing with life. When you're trying to figure out what you want to do in life, it's a trial and error process. A lot of people put this pressure on themselves, say, oh, what do I need to do? And adults may ask people, and like, what do you want? And, and it can create this pressure. And I say, well, if you have a lot of interests or passions, it's like trying on, on clothes. You got to try one outfit at a time. And if you like it, continue wearing that outfit. If you volunteer part of organization, and you like it, continue volunteering. If you have the internship and you want to continue, get a job for that company. But if you don't like the outfit, it's okay to take it off and put it back on the rack. I think a lot of people have this pressure. Like I got to figure out what I want to do now. And I have to figure out now if it changes, then something's wrong. And that's not the case. So when you're trying to figure out what you want to do, it, just think of it as trying on different clothes until you find that right fit. So mm-hmm. how did you find your perfect outfit? Yeah. So for me, I was a junior in high school. I was 17 years old. I was part of a leadership organization called Future Business Leaders of America. And I went to a conference where the speaker impacted not only my life, but 300 other students. His workshop was titled Creating Your Own Destiny. And now you have a part in your success. And everyone like in school thinks like, I want to make a difference. I want to help people, but they don't know how. In that moment, I was thinking, wow, he's impacting my life and 300 other people. If I could do this with my life, I can help more people in my lifetime than just doing lots of one-on-one conversations. So after I had that light bulb in my head, I reached out to him and I said, hey, you know, thank you for changing my life and all this. And he became a mentor. And then I met more mentors along the way. And I kept trying on that outfit and it stuck ever since 17 to now 19 years later. 
Wow. And so let me understand this or make sure I got this. The person that you met at the event for FBLA, was he also a motivational speaker? Yeah, he was a motivational speaker doing a workshop. And I thought, how cool is this? And you know what? After I met him, when I was, it was my junior year, I met him, met up with him, I think during the summertime. And he's like, hey, you know what? This is great what you're doing. You should write a book. I'm thinking, write a book? I'm about to go to college. I have no idea I'm going to write about. But mentors are so crucial because he kept watering that seed he planted. And then when you talk about graduating from college, a couple years afterwards, that's when I wrote my first book, Succeeding in the Real World, What School Won't Teach You sharing advice from a young person to other young people that will help them to equip them for success for life after college. So he played a very critical part as I'd say my, my first mentor that really guided me along this path. Do you mind me asking who the mentor is? Yeah, his name's Patrick Snow. And again, his book's called Creating Your Own Destiny. Wow, that's great. Um, it's funny because you say a lot of people seek to try and help other individuals when they're seeking their career. And when you say that, the first thing I think about is, okay, doctor, nurse, but I love the way that you thought about it. And it was beyond just like the regular traditional way of thinking. It's like you can help others even through motivational speaking. That's like unheard of. And Especially, um, uh, culturally. It's, yes, I was going to say that because growing up um, with m- being an uh, Asian American background, my parents were like, all right, you got to be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, stuff that we always hear growing up, but not a motivational speaker. So h- how did your parents take it? Did you get into this role right away? Was there any yeah. pressure? Yeah, anything? so... Just like any caring parent, if you're not familiar with something, they they begin to question or get worried or concerned for you. So for me, you know, when I I, I share this is what I want to do, they're like, well, are you gonna make money? We never heard of that before. So that's just any caring parent. But one thing I'm very um, fortunate for is I have such incredible parents. I I look back to my life. I there's there's nothing they didn't do for me, and they set to be a great example of what a marriage and a loving family should look like. I think there's an important piece where I share with a lot of people is that at first when my parents shared this, they're kind of hesitant, resistance, they're concerned. But one of the most important lessons I learned in life is whatever you resist in life will continue to exist in life. And for me growing up, I mean, I did things untraditionally where I wanted to, to go to college out of state. My parents wanted me to stay in state. I, I did things where they were not familiar with. And at first I would reject connecting with them about it because I get so frustrated. I think, man, you just don't understand. Why am I going to waste this time? But when I connect with other people, especially whether it's with students, college students or young professionals, is if you have a relationship and there's tension, ignoring that relationship or communication is not going to improve the relationship. Because again, whatever you resist will continue to exist. And there came a point I was thinking, man, like I want my parents to be on board and I want them to support me. I said, hey, mom, dad, I know you have my best interests in mind. And the best thing you can do to support me is just cheer me on. And if it doesn't work out, I promise that I'll try it your way. But I just want to do this because I don't want to have any resentment towards you or any regret if I don't try. Because there's so many people who pursue certain career paths for the money 
for the recognition because of family or outside motivations. And when they achieve that goal, everyone's happy for them, but they're not happy for themselves. So when I had those challenging moments, I decided to lean into discomfort and to have these courageous conversations. And because my parents and I continue to have those type of conversations ever since, since I was younger, that's why our relationship, I say, is so close and connected now is because we're our willingness just to have those courageous conversations. So they at first were concerned, but then they came exceptionally proud of, of the, the work that I get to do and the impact that I have to have along with the te- my team that supports me making it happen. That's wonderful. And I could see why they're proud. You are a recognized uh, 25 most influential people in Seattle, right? That's what yeah. I trust. And um, your work says it for itself. And you even got to um, be uh, a part of the Lays program. Right? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, that experience? Yeah, so it, it is so random. So in the back of my screen here, you can see these Lays chip bags. Uh, I was just really blessed and fortunate to be on like five different type of chip bags and flavors. And it was really cool because um, this happened during the pandemic where, you know, everyone was in a state of just uncertainty, of concern, of fear. And I had submitted uh, an application to say, hey, tell us about how you make people smile, the, the impact you're making your story. And here's the crazy part. I remember... Uh, I was not made for it. And then all of a sudden we get this emergency email that's like urgent message saying, hey, we need you to respond back today, 5 p.m. if you want to be considered for the Smiles with Lays campaign. I was thinking, what? And here's crazy. This email was to my assistant. So she brought it to my attention and we looked and we checked the spam folder and they had sent us three emails prior. And so when we look back to the very first email, it's like, hey, congratulations. You, you know, we want to consider you for this campaign. We just need a background check to make sure you're legit. And we didn't see that email because it was a spam. Then we get another email. Hey, we're selecting our semifinalists by this Friday. Please get back to us. Friday goes by and then it's Monday. That's when we got the last email. And then we sent in the information. And fortunately, we were part of this campaign along with some other incredible people. So the purpose of the Smiles with Lay campaigns is to help spread smiles across the country. And I think it was especially needed during the pandemic. And what's really neat about this campaign is that it helps benefit Operation Smile, which is a international charity helping provide life-changing, life-saving um, surgery for people who have cleft conditions within their lips and it helps them to afterwards. So a portion of every bag that's sold that had my smile net or the other smilers, a portion of those proceeds went to donate to Operation Smile. So it was really cool to be part of that campaign uh, because we got a lot of great press uh, locally here in Seattle, Washington. When you talk about uh, the top five or top 25 most influential people, right? That's because it was connected with Lays. They heard about us through that way. So it was just really cool to be part of such a positive movement during a time that was so challenging. That's awesome. It seems like um, like these are all really favorite parts of you being a speaker. Am I right? Or is there any, if besides all this being um, such a positive influence in your community, is there anything else you would say that's your favorite part of being a motivational speaker? You know, my favorite part, and I share this a lot of times, is it's not speaking on stage. My favorite part of 
what I, why I do what I do is I get to make meaningful connections with people from all around the world. I get to hear stories from different people about the challenges they've been through, the struggles that they've had, what they've overcome in their lives, whether it's we've had it virtually, we had it live and in person, whether it's at a, a convention center with 6,000 people or doing virtual events where people are sharing, you know what, a really tough year where I went through a divorce or we had a loss of a loved one, or I struggle with depression. That's what gives me the joy. You know, being a speaker is a vehicle to help me to have more meaningful conversations and to meet incredible people. So that's what I love most about what I do. That's awesome. And you're talking about speaking in front of a room of 6,000 people. That to a lot of folks could be something really fearful because Public speaking is actually number one fear. Um, yes. How how did you overcome it? Were you always this, um, like, were you ever nervous speaking in front of people? Always, yeah. So it's a funny thing where I was talking to my mom the other day and my wife, uh, this was when we were at a trip in Texas with both our families. And she just asked me like, oh, you know, how, how was Juan when he was younger? And one thing my mom says, I would have never imagined he'd be doing this because He'd be all super nervous as a kid. And for me, one of the things I learned is being nervous is a normal feeling. It just shows that it's important to you. And so when I was in high school and I saw that speaker when I was a junior, I said, yeah, I want, this is what I want to do. I want to try this outfit. So my first speech I gave was at my high school after I graduated. I was a freshman in college. I said, hey, let me work on improving this. Because if you want to be good at anything, at one point, you're not going to be good it's going to be uncomfortable. So I said, Hey, you know what, if I want to do this, I get over this fear. And I did it and I was sweating bullets. It was nervous. It was scary. And I've had those moments many times. And for me, what helped me to get through this is a concept by a gentleman by the name of Dan Sullivan. It's called the, the four C's. If you want to get confident in anything, it comes down to four C's. Number one, you got to commit to doing the thing that scares you. So for me, it was public speaking. I got to commit to it. I got to follow through and having to the courage to do what I've been scared to do. So I practiced speaking at my old high school at different opportunities, whether it's in class, I joined a Toastmasters. I would just constantly speak so that I could get better at it. Step three, the third C is that when you have the courage to follow through, you gain competence. You have new experiences. Say, hey, you know what? It's not that bad. And when you gain experience or competence, then number four, you gain confidence. So if you want to gain confidence in anything, then you got to first just commit to it. Just say, hey, I'm going to do this scares me, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to have the courage to follow through. By doing that, I'm going to gain confidence. And that confidence is going to create more confidence within me. So I was definitely afraid of public speaking. And I just found opportunities to speak in public. I, in college, I took, I took some uh, unique classes. I took an acting class. Right. Because some upperclassmen told me that you got to take this class. And I took a voice lessons class. And I'll tell you, speaking in front of people is scary, but singing in front of people is way scarier. Oh, man. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. And how, how did your classes go? It was amazing. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you two stories. One, the, the, the acting class, we had an assignment. Uh, it's mm -hmm. called the rock star assignment. So you have to choose a song you're not normally listen to. And then you must choreograph a dance and lip sync to it. So mm -hmm. as a joke, I chose a song, Hey Mickey. Have you seen the movie Pitch Perfect? Hey yeah. Mickey, it's so fun, you're so fun, you blow my mind, hey Mickey. 
Mickey. So I actually dressed up as a cheerleader and then I did this dance routine, did break dancing. It was so scary. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, I talked to that, that instructor years afterwards. He's like, dude, that's the thing I remember you for, right? Everyone loved it. And it built so much confidence because then I thought singing was scary. No, dancing in a cheerleading outfit, way scarier, right? Yeah. So that was a really great experience. It gave me life experience of like, hey, you know what? It's okay. I This is not a scary thing. And then the voice lessons, it was powerful because I took a year of voice lessons. One, I wanted to sing because my freshman year, all my suite mates were wickedly talented. They were uh, either um, theater majors or, or uh, music majors. So for the talent show, they'd sing. All these girls would love them. Only thing I could do was wrestle. So I said, hey, you know what? I want to learn to sing. So it was a powerful experience because um, just first day of class, all right, go ahead and stand up. And they gave a song sheet, sing these couple lines. I'm thinking, whoa, this is, there's no, there's no transition points like right away. But in life, what I've learned is that if you're not willing to, to face what's in front of you, that again, you're just going to keep resisting it and it's going to keep existing in your life. And that's why one of the things I love, particularly about marriage is that, you know, when you're going through any challenge, it's constantly in front of you, right? There's no avoiding it. And I think that's one of the, the most beautiful things about marriage and why I appreciate those two classes, because I signed up for a class and failing was not an option. I was not going to withdraw, but doing both those classes helped me to confront uncomfortable moments, whether it's doing a scene with someone with you know, face to face, or I sing the song, um, let's get down to business in the movie Mulan. That was my song I chose. So by facing those uncomfortable things, it gave me the opportunity to develop resilience and that resilience is what carries over to the things I do today. Would you say that the four C's you shared uh, would also apply into self-doubt? Because I know uh, fear is something that when we spoke about that you overcame by using the four C's. But a lot of times people who want to pursue their dreams keep encountering self-doubt. And it'll yeah. come back again and again. Yeah. Would you be able to apply the four C's to self-doubt too? You can apply the four C's certainly. And I, I'm going to take it one step further. The reason why people don't pursue what they want, as you shared, it's, it's that self-doubt or what I like to say, it's a whack song playing in their playlist. This is what I mean. Imagine you're having a really rough day. Everything's going wrong. And then you decide to plug in your headphones and you notice it's your favorite song. Let me ask you, if it's your favorite song, what are you more than likely to do? Play it again. Yeah, play it again. Yeah, <laughs> you might jam out, you might turn it up. Some of you might start dancing, but you're not, you're not have a lot more fun by turning up, singing and dancing. But imagine that song ends and the next song is a horrible, annoying, wax song that kills the mood. If it's a horrible song, what are you going to do then? Uh, skip it. Skip it. Well, here's the thing, whether you realize it or not, we all have whack songs in our heads and that's that self-doubt that plays. It's a song that sounds like this. Oh, you can't do that because you're not smart enough. Oh, you're into that person? No, they won't be into you because you're not pretty enough because you're not popular enough. You can't do that thing because you're not something enough. And unfortunately, we're never taught how to change that negative self-talk or that self-doubt that constantly plays in our head. So what's really important is to change that station. Technique I share is you got to say, hold up. 
That is whack. People laugh, but the reason why it works is for two reasons. Number one, it's silly and it makes you laugh. And when you laugh, you feel better mm-hmm. than beforehand when you're stressed out. But number two reason why it works, it's called a pattern interrupt. Think about this. If someone has a pet, right? You have a really horrible day. Dog comes up to you, head in your lap, you instantly feel better, right? You have newborn baby, right? You can have the, the toughest day, but when your baby smiles at you, then your heart melts, you instantly feel amazing. That is a pattern interrupt. That is an external stimuli that distracts you from the thing that stresses you out to focus on something else. You can wait till an external thing happens to make you change the way you feel, or you can create an external change. And that's why hold up, that is whack, is a technique we created to help them to pause from that whack song so you can take a mental step back, go into your long-term memory and take a moment to remind yourself all the things that you have done in your life. And so when you talk about the four C's then, that's where it applies to like, if you want to create that confidence, like you have that song playing in your head, hold up, that is whack. That's a technique to help you to pause. But if you want to keep create a new song to play, that's when you got to commit to a new action, have the courage to follow through, gain new experiences so that you can gain confidence within yourself, whether it's trying a new career path, whether it's speaking your voice, whether it's approaching someone that you really like or interested in. So self-doubt is something that everyone encounters. It's that whack song that plays in our head. And what's really critical is you got to change your playlist and then you can apply those four C's to create confidence and to remove that self-doubt that could play in your head that was created from the past. Because I actually took a class uh, prior and someone was talking to me about all these negative thoughts are in your head. Another word um, is called, um, they called it trash talk because you're talking yourself down, all those negative thoughts, but if you throw it out, you take all those thoughts and actually put it in the trash, then you can actually welcome the positive thoughts in your mind and it'll change internally, it'll change your thoughts and then your actions. 100%, I agree. We talked about self-doubt and, um, and your career path and all your successes. And um, from someone else outside looking in, I would say you're pretty successful. You have a career you love. You got to um, combine passion with work. Um, top 25 influential people of Seattle um, being a part of campaign. And you even took part in, in the Ninja Warrior um, show, right? So mm-hmm. if someone wants to be successful, what is a piece of advice or key takeaway you would give to them today? Yeah, if I give a piece of advice, if your goal is to be successful, I, I, I'll give it a two-part answer. Number one is define what success means to you. A lot of people use media or what other people think of what success is, whether it's making tons of money, uh, living in a certain house, going to a certain college. I think what's really important is defining what success means to you because it's not universal. There's things like, I'll tell you for me, what makes me happy is simple. I, I just love family. I just need to be a family. I don't need to, I don't, I don't need much. I, I spend, I feel guilty if I, I buy like a bag of chips. You know, I have a, I have different accounts financially, right? A tithing account, a business account, a fire account, um, fun account. And when I use my fun account, I, it's mostly on the things my wife wants to do, travel somewhere or, or taking care of family. So that's what brings me happiness. 
right? That's bringing me joy. And so I would first define what does success mean to you? What does that look like? Clearly define that. And then secondly is be willing to do whatever it takes specifically. I mean, not talking about cutting corners, doing things unethical, but I'm talking about be willing to step outside your comfort zone. Because there's this idea, I, there's a lot of people that want a lot of things, but a lot of people are not willing to do the necessary things. And that's the problem because it's so easy to turn on your phone, look on TikTok, Instagram, and be like, oh, hashtag goals, I want that and this. But the reason why a lot of people haven't achieved those things that they want is because they're not willing to break out of their comfort zone. They're not willing to give up watching TV a couple hours a day. They're, they're spending so much time on social media. They're not willing to do things that they don't want to do. And that's the difference. There's this, there's this quote I saw is about is from an Indian actress and I'm just summarizing it, but she said, you know what? Marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. She said, being healthy is hard being overweight is hard being financially independent is hard being financially broke is hard both paths are hard but you get to choose the hard that you want there's one hard where you get a benefit and an incredible outcome and it helps you become a better individual because you're forced to to achieve and to create these things the other route is hey it's just too hard i just don't want to do it and then there's regret afterwards so again, my recommendation, if your goal is to be successful, number one is defining what does success look like to you? And number two, don't just want something, but be willing to do what is uncomfortable to pursue and to achieve those goals and to create success in your life. Juan has continued to inspire many through speaking and workshops. I hope you also find his episode inspiring and how you can apply the three C's into your life and career. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on our website at www.dayoneway.com or follow us on social media.